Um, but it is great every time I come up here to just see what growth Jesus has brought to this church, to see more and more people, see us crammed in, see people attentively listening. It's, it's really, really encouraging. So we're going to carry on in the course today on session, session 10, which is all about walking in freedom every day. So we're basically into the final section of the course now. Uh, we've gone through learning some basic truths about who we were, who we now are in Christ as a saint, um, and then all of the enemies that we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the things they do against us. And then we've gone through the third part, which is basically breaking the hold of the past, and the, uh, crucially, the steps to freedom in Christ process that we've gone through over the last couple of Sundays. And I've heard back from so many people how useful that was for them, and so it's just, it's, it was great, really, to see the church come together, take it seriously, and really go through everything that the Holy Spirit brought to mind. So I hope you're all sitting there feeling free, feeling good about yourselves, but wondering, well, what comes next? So how do we continue to walk in that freedom every day? I'm just going to read a verse to you to start with from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now this verse makes a few things quite clear. Firstly, it says Jesus Christ is the one who has already set us free from the slavery of sin. Number two, it says Jesus set us free so that we can stand firm and keep walking in that freedom. Thirdly, and quite importantly, it is possible for us to lose that freedom that we've regained in certain areas and fall back into slavery. We can't lose it altogether because Jesus has actually he's won it for us, but we can slip back into slavery in various areas. And fourthly, it says that God says it's our responsibility to stand firm and to resist being enslaved again. We can do it. So these are some of the things that we're going to be looking at today as we look at how we continue to walk in freedom. Um, but before we do that, I just want to pray. So, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for what you have done for us. Jesus, we thank you that you went to the cross and there you defeated sin, you defeated death, you disarmed Satan, and you have actually given us authority and power over him and over the demons. It is an amazing truth we need to get hold of. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done. I just pray this morning, Lord, for everyone here. I thank you that we have had that chance to go through this Steps to Freedom process and to really regain freedom in many areas. And I pray, Lord, that today that you will be, you'll be speaking to us, you'll be teaching us how to stand firm and how to keep walking in that freedom for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been through the steps to freedom in Christ. If you honestly dealt with everything the Holy Spirit showed you through that process, then you've, we've already taken hold of that freedom that Christ has won for us. Um, but the question now for this session, and it's a big question, is the rest of our lives. Um, how do we keep walking in that freedom? How do we stand firm? How do we go on to be really fruitful, mature Christians? That should be the normal state for any Christian. But this kind of growth doesn't come automatically. It's quite possible to become an old Christian and not necessarily a mature Christian. Um, and actually, this is the problem Paul found in the church in Corinth. So in, in 1 Corinthians 3, from verse 1, we can read the following. It says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So you new Christians aren't expected to be instantly mature. They've got a lot to learn. They've got a lot of spiritual baggage to deal with to really go on to maturity. But the problem here was that the Corinthians weren't new Christians. They'd been Christians for quite some time. And even after a reasonable period of time, they still weren't able to receive this solid food that Paul was talking about. And he's implying that this is an abnormal situation. You see, there was this pattern of sin in their lives, this, uh, and he specifically mentions quarreling and jealousy. And this was the issue, because basically sin um, 
was, was opening doors to the enemy. The devil was holding them back. He got hooks into them and was holding them back. They actually could not progress. They could not mature because of this sin problem. So let's illustrate this with babies. Babies are cute, babies are cute right? I think so. <laughs> um, we've got a third one on the way. You know, if I didn't think babies were, were cute, I'd, there'd be something wrong in my head. Uh, babies are cute. Um, but if they continue to behave like babies as they grow up, then they don't become that cute anymore. You know, it's a bit strange to see a grown adult wandering around acting like a baby. You know, growth and maturing is, is expected. Now, it doesn't matter how much a, a tiny baby might want to have solid food. When they're tiny, they can't take it. Their stomachs can't take it. So what they need is milk. If, you tr- if they swallow some solid food, it's just going to come straight back up again undigested. And that's what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church. He said, look, I had to keep giving you milk. By now, you should be able to be on solid food, but you just you can't take it. You literally cannot take it. Your spiritual stomach isn't ready for it. So just desperately wanting to become a mature Christian isn't enough if you're not actually able to do so. So I've said before, any Christian can become an old Christian. You've just got to wait long enough. Um, but many don't actually go on to become mature Christians. But the truth that you want to get hold of today is that actually, and this may be contrary to what you think, any Christian can become a mature Christian. It's not just for some special few. Any Christian can go on and walk into maturity. So what we're going to do today, I want to help you understand that now we've taken hold of our freedom using the steps to freedom in Christ process, we can be transformed, not just changed a little bit, we can be transformed and really go on to produce fruit for Jesus and see amazing things happen for his kingdom. But we do need to understand the difference between two things, the difference between freedom and maturity. I've mentioned them both already. And they are related, but they are different. So let's just remind ourselves of a verse we've looked at a few times before. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it might have come as a surprise to you as we've gone through this course. You already have everything you need to take hold of your freedom and to grow into a mature Christian. Jesus has already done everything and given it to you. And as we went through the steps, you've taken hold of some of these things. You chose to confess, you chose to repent, you chose to renounce, you chose to submit yourself to God and resist the devil. You you now know what you need to do if you come across another problem in your life in the future or if some of the old ones come back. You know now what to do. But now let's just look at a couple of definitions to help you really make the distinction between freedom and maturity. So maturity, it says up on the screen, is a process of growth, and it continues throughout our lives as we apply ourselves to knowing God and his word. See, a person might have been a Christian for a week. I think there's a couple here who became a Christian last Sunday. Uh, You may have been a Christian for 40 years or more. I I think there are some people like that here today. Every single one of us is still maturing. You know, the goal is to become like Jesus. Who thinks that we, we can actually become like Jesus in this life? Not quite. That's the goal. That's where we're heading. That's the vision. Um, but we're all going to continue to mature throughout our whole lives. But freedom, however, is a position that we take. It's a position we take in response to what Christ has done and his victory over Satan, sin and Satan. We're either free or bound in any area of our lives. It's like an on-off switch. There isn't an in-between. We don't kind of grow into freedom over, over a, our lifetime as such. We take possession of it by the authority we have in Christ. Whenever we realize we've been deceived and bound, we know what to do. We can, we can renounce the work of the enemy, we can confess our sin, we can repent, and we can take hold of that freedom that Jesus has won for us. So they are different things, but they are also inextricably linked. If we don't first take hold of our freedom, there is no way we can go on to mature. You stay like that baby Christian. 
that we looked at earlier, far beyond the time you should have been growing. And this really appears to be the Corinthians' problem. You know, they hadn't dealt with their jealousy and their quarreling, so it didn't matter how much they, how much they wanted to, they actually could not move forward. They were unable to move on. It doesn't matter how much they wanted to mature, um, how many books they read, how many seminars they went to, how many discipleship courses they went through. Now, they weren't going to be able to move on until they stood up and did what God said they had to do, which was to repent and to believe the truth. They had to deal with the footholds of the enemy in their lives. So, assuming you have taken hold of your freedom. Now, I know there may be some people here who didn't have a chance to go through that steps process over the last couple of Sundays. And if that's you, we will be able to catch you up. So, just let us know if you're still interested in doing that. But, assuming you have taken hold of your freedom, I just want to share with you for the rest of the session three ways, three keys that you can go on to walk in that freedom and become a real, really become a mature, fruitful Christian as quickly as possible. So there's three things. First one is taking personal responsibility. The second one is actually renewing our mind. Um, And then the third one is taking a long-term view. So first of all, taking personal responsibility for our walk with Jesus. So let's look again at the Corinthian church. If you were Paul, you may have been tempted to say to them, okay, well, I'll I'll pray for you and I'll ask God to take away that quarreling and jealousy from you. Now, who thinks maybe that could have been a good thing to do, a good thing to try? maybe not sure yeah. well if you look at what Paul did he didn't do that in fact he didn't really do anything directly at all so why not well the reason is he couldn't see what was required here was confession repentance submission to Jesus and resisting the devil by the Corinthians Paul couldn't confess or repent or resist or submit for them on their behalf they had to do it for themselves All he could do was point them towards the truth, and it was up to them whether they chose to act on it. So it's a question of who's responsible for what. You see, God has set up reality in a certain way, and he's decided, he's decreed, that some things are his responsibility to do, and then some things are our responsibility to do. The trouble is, we often get these all mixed up on the wrong way around. You know, we want God to do things that that are our responsibility. You know, we want him to take away temptation. We want him to fight and resist the devil for us. But he said, no, those are things for you to do. We sometimes want... um, we also sometimes try to do things that are God's responsibility. We try to predict the future. We try to work out what's going to happen and, and think through all the worst-case scenarios and plan for them and, and control the situation. You know, what we're trying to do there is we're trying to be all-knowing. We're trying to be God. And we're also trying to be sovereign and control everything. And we can't do that. Those things aren't our responsibility. And we just get responsibility back to front. So let me illustrate this with another story. There's a guy called Steve Goss who heads up Freedom in Christ Ministries in the UK. And he does a lot of the teaching and writes a lot of the material that we're using. Um, he was teaching at a conference one evening, and a young lady asked him for some help. She said that every night she was woken by a scary demonic presence in her room. She was in her mid-twenties, she'd moved into a flat of her own, but actually she'd gotten to the point where she'd moved back in with her parents because this had become such a, such a significant issue for her. And pretty much every night she was getting back into bed with her parents when these scary manifestations happened. She didn't know how to deal with them. She kept praying that God would take this scary presence away, but he never did. And it reduced her to a complete wreck, a complete nervous wreck. She was on antidepressants, she was on long-term sick leave from work, and basically her life was a mess. So there's an important question. Why didn't God take that away? Was he being cruel? Why didn't he answer this heartfelt prayer that, was, that she repeated night after night? Well, the truth is, he already answered it long before she prayed it. When at the cross, Jesus has completely disarmed Satan tells us this in Colossians. And he's given us power and authority over the devil. 
It's a question here of understanding who's responsible for what. In his wisdom, God has said that dealing with this issue is her responsibility. And in James 4, verse 7, it's a verse we've come across a few times in the course. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So who is the one who has to do the submitting and resisting? It was her. God's not going to do it for her. He can't do it for her. So when Steve explained this to her, that she had the power, the authority, the responsibility to do that, her first response was, I can't, I'm not strong enough, I can't do that. But somehow she committed herself to to believe what God has said in his word, despite what she felt, and she went away and and really tried it. And Steve says the next day she just came bouncing up to him, she just looked very different in her face, she came bouncing up to him and said, guess what, it worked. (laughs) of course it did. Walking by faith, that is to say, taking what God says is true and acting on it, that's walking by faith, it always works. James 4.7 will always work if we do our bit. God's not going to do it for us. So there's this key principle of understanding what is for God to do, what is for us to do, and what is for other people to do. See, most defeated Christians are basically hoping that God is going to just change his ways to accommodate them. Um, You might say, well, please, God, just bend the rules just this once, just for me. They want God to assume their responsibility, but he's not going to do that, and it's for our own good. There are very good reasons. And the reason is this. The devil is, he he knows how you work. He knows what makes you tick. He knows where you're vulnerable. And if you've been weak in an area before, he's going to keep attacking that area. He's going to keep coming back and trying again. If God were to come along and just fix that situation that one time, it might work then, but you're not going to be prepared to deal with it in the future. And so God wants us to step, stand up, take our responsibility, and do the things we're called to do to resist the devil. And that prepares us to be able to do it again in the future. This is a process of maturing. So if you want to move on as a Christian, no one else can do it for you. You've got to take your own responsibility. So then there's a key question. Do we actually want to be transformed? Not just changed a little bit, but do we actually want to be transformed? Do we want to gr- go on to grow and really do some amazing things for Jesus. Well, the Bible says we can, and in Romans 12, verse 2, it tells us how. It says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, who, whose responsibility is that? Is it God's? Is it Stuart's? Is it your life group leader's? No, of course not. It's our responsibility. The key to being transformed is in our own hands, and actually that's, that's great news, We don't need to find some special anointed person to pray for us. We have um, the responsibility and the ability to do it ourselves. But that's not to say that we don't need other people. And it comes on to this phrase, which may be on the screen sometime soon. It says, you alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. So let me explain what that means. You alone can do it in the sense that you have to confess, you've got to repent, you've got to submit to God, you've got to resist. You've got to choose what to believe. No one else can do those things for you. But if you try and do it on your own, in isolation, um, without input from other people, you're likely going to struggle. You really, you can't do it on your own. We need other people to encourage us, to love us, to support us, to speak truth into our lives, to point out where we're going wrong and where we, where we may be believing lies that we can't see for ourselves. We can also be discipled by other people. We can learn from them. We can learn how they've gone about life. How they've, you know, We can learn to believe what they believe. We can learn to um, follow the same kind of spiritual disciplines they do. And if we actually take that on board, believe it, and actually do it ourselves, then we will become like those people. They're not going to do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. Ultimately, we're each responsible for our own relationship with God. 
and he wants to deal directly with each of us. Getting some other people to pray for our problems may have some benefit, but really we've got to take our own responsibility and work through things ourselves. So that's taking personal responsibility. The second key then is renewing our minds. And this really is, is core. This is really, really important, this one. Um, <clears throat> as we went through the steps, you probably may have uncovered some lies that you need to, um, need to work on, some strongholds that need to be demolished. And this is really renewing our minds. This is what it is for. Um, if you have, as we've gone through the steps, you will have dealt with any footholds that Satan had in your lives. Um, you may find now that actually you find it a lot easier to connect with truth. If you've been reading your Bible since then, you, might, you may have found it a much more beneficial experience because you've gotten rid of all those footholds that the, the, the devil had. But we still have the flesh. We've still got this tendency to be pulled towards sin. These, these, wrongful, these wrong patterns and habits of thought in our mind that need to be dealt with. And these are strongholds. Um, <clears throat> but we do have some weapons to deal with them. And 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5 say this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, Paul's emphasizing here our responsibility. We've got to fight. We've got to demolish these strongholds. We've got to take every thought captive. And this takes application and effort. It's not just going to happen. We've got to work at this. But it is in our control. We're not dependent on anybody else. It's for us to do. We can demolish strongholds, and this is what being transformed through the renewing of our minds is all about. It's breaking down wrong patterns of thought and replacing them with truth. So we're going to look at a strategy for doing just that. And the first really important step is uncovering lies. We've got to figure out what lies we've been believing. And this can be really difficult because we've been believing them because they feel true, and actually the devil has deceived us. Deception by its very nature is something we don't realize is happening. So as we've gone through the steps, you may have realized some lies that are in you, in you already. There are probably some more that you're believing that you don't realize, and you're going to need some help to try and find them. Um, just a quick illustration. A young lady went through the steps to freedom in Christ, not in this church, but um, someone else. And the person, actually, in this case, one person was leading them through it kind of on a one-on-one basis. And the person who was leading them through said to them afterwards that they seemed to have believed the lie that this, this girl was dirty. And the girl says, no, that's not right at all. And the leader replied, oh, well, it's just he seems to have mentioned feeling dirty quite a lot. And the girl said, well, I am dirty. It's not a lie. Now, it turned out that this girl, she'd been abused by a workman in her home when she was a child. And the devil had jumped on that experience and he'd lied to her about it. He'd told her that she was dirty, that her body was dirty. And she'd come to believe it. That had become part of her identity. And that's what she genuinely thought about herself. And subsequently, her life had just been a complete mess. She developed things like anorexia. She almost died several times because of that. Another thing, she'd gone into self-harm. She'd become addicted to all kinds of different substances. Um, and these were just kind of coping mechanisms she'd developed to deal with those negative feelings about feeling dirty. Now, although she'd gone through the steps process and kicked the devil out of her life, and she really had taken hold of her freedom, if she'd been left at that point still believing the lie that she was dirty, what would have happened in the future? Most likely, she was going to go back to those coping mechanisms at some point um, and just go back into slavery again. Her freedom probably wouldn't have lasted all that long because those feelings of being dirty were still there. So the key is she needed to know what's really true. She needed to recognize that as a lie 
do something to throw it out and actually replace it with truth. The truth that through Christ she's been made pure, spotless and perfectly clean. You know, God welcomes her into his presence with open arms. She's not dirty. She'd come through that whole process and it still hadn't dawned on her that she was believing a lie. She, she didn't see it. She needed this person alongside to actually help her identify she was believing a lie. Um, and it's not very surprising to be in that sort of situation because we believe these things because they feel true. And we, we don't realize that they're wrong. So, what lies have you been believing? Maybe as we've gone through the course, as we've gone through the steps, you've, you've identified some already, which is great. Um, but there are some things you can also do to um, maybe see if there are any others lurking in there. So, obviously, this going through the steps process was a, was a key one. Maybe that was me. Um, so, going through the steps process, obviously, is a, is a key way of identifying lies. And often, they come out in step three, which is all about forgiveness. And we said at the time, as we were kind of leading you through that, um, you know, we were writing down the list of people we needed to forgive, what they'd done to us, and also how that made us feel. And if you've got that list, it's worth having another look at it, if you haven't already, and just see if any, any feelings come up time and time again. That's an indication that you've probably, you're believing a lie, you've got a stronghold. Because think about it, it's quite unlikely that with all these people that across your life, that may have done all sorts of different things to you, it's very unlikely they actually all felt the same way about you and intended the same thing for you. But we believe, because of strongholds, we, we believe the same thing about all those situations. Um, and that's one way of finding lies that you've been believing. In fact, you may have realized, or you may think, that the enemy seems to have engineered circumstance after circumstance to try and reinforce that lie. And he, he is doing that. But they're still lies. Another thing you can do to identify lies is actually at the back of the steps booklet that you, you got on the day. And if you don't have one, we'll, we'll get one to you. Um, at the back of this booklet, there are a number of appendices that work through a few different specific issues. Um, one of them is about fears, and that's a great thing to work through um, because all of us have some sort of fears or other. And behind them is going to be some kind of lie, unless it's a fear of God. If you're afraid of anything else, there is some kind of lie behind that fear. Um, and that appendix will help you work through and figure out what those lies are. For example, you might have come to realize that you have a fear of Satan, um, and so you need to figure out what, what's the lie behind, behind that fear. Most likely it is you've come to believe that he has more power or authority than you do. And that is not true. At the cross, Jesus completely defeated him. And he's given you power and authority over the devil. That's the truth. But we can easily believe the opposite. There's also a few other appendices in the back of the book that are useful too. So there's one on um, uh, overcoming resolving anxiety. One on seeking the forgiveness of others, if that's appropriate. Um, but also one on forgiving ourselves and forgiving God, which sounds like a strange concept, but sometimes we do, in effect, hold unforgiveness towards God for things that we think he has done wrong. He hasn't, but we, th- we can think he's done something wrong. All of those appendices are really useful if they're, if they're applicable for you to work through. Um, they'll be good for you, but they also may uncover some other lies that you've been believing. So now we're into the, the key thing we, that we do next. Once we've uncovered those lies, we've got to do something um, to... Get rid of them. It's one thing to recognize you've been believing a lie, but that alone isn't going to do it. You've got to do something to get rid of that lie in your mind and actually replace it with truth. And so we've got this, uh, this tool, this strategy, which is called Stronghold Busting. Now, if you can get past the cheesiness of the title, this stuff really is dynamite. It works. It was really powerful. Um, and this is the process. Now, it is in your, um, your participant's guide, so if you've got the book you got at the beginning of the course, all of this I'm about to say is on page 80, so you can go back and you can use this in your own time. First thing you've got to do, and I've already kind of mentioned this, is you've got to determine the lie that you've been believing. So any way that you've been 
thinking or believing that's not in line with the Bible, figure out what they are and write them down. And it's really important when you're doing this to ignore what you feel because these things are going to feel true to you, (laughs) but they're a lie. Commit yourself to what the Bible says. So we identify the lie. Secondly, you then look up as many Bible verses as you can that tell you the truth about that kind of situation. And this is where a good concordance will help or some Bible software or some some good Christian friends who can come come around you and um, just help you find Bible verses that really speak into that situation and get them all written down. Thirdly, what can be very useful at this point is to write down what effect believing that lie has had in your life. So the, the lie I mentioned earlier about that Satan is stronger than you might lead you to basically withdraw from the spiritual battle. Just think, I'm not going to try and grow. I'm not going to work at this. Um, or it might just leave you paralyzed in your walk with God and be constantly fearful. Another common lie is that your value is based on what other people think of you. And if you fall for that lie, the effect might be that you, just, you become shy, you withdraw from community, you often think that people just don't think very much of you. Um, these things can have significant effects in our lives, so it's good to write those down as well. Because when we realize the negative effects, that's going to spur you on to try and get rid of this stronghold. Because we don't want those effects in our lives, do we? So it's good to write them down and recognize the effect they're having on you. And then fourthly, and this is the key part, we need to write a prayer or a declaration based on a, just a, a kind of recommended structure. And again, this is in your, in your book on page 80. You f- start off by saying, I renounce the lie that, and whatever the lie is, and then I announce the truth, that, and then some kind of statement that's based on the, the Bible verses that you've looked up. Just state the truth. This is the truth. So you get that, that, that prayer, that declaration written down. And the last step, and this is where it really gets practical, you've got to read the Bible verses and say that prayer or declaration out loud because you're saying it to the, the spiritual realms, not just to God. This isn't just a prayer to God. You're saying this to the devil and poking him in the eye. Read those Bible verses, say out this prayer and declaration out loud every day, for 40 days. Now you might be sitting there thinking, that's a bit overkill, isn't it? Uh, why 40 days? Well, we see this period of 40 days spoken about often in the Bible when, when Jesus went into the desert. There's lots of other situations where 40 days appears to be quite a significant period of time. Um, but it's not just that. And actually, psychologists have, have realized, and they've written all kinds of papers on this, that it takes about six weeks, kind of 40 days, to break a habit or to form a new habit. So there's something about that kind of time frame and the way we think and the way we build up habits in our mind that is significant. And so if we've dealt with any footholds of the enemy that we've done through the steps process, a mental stronghold is basically a a faulty, habitual way of thinking. It's a habit. And of course, you can break habits, but it it does take some time and effort over, over this period of time, 40 days. You've got to persevere. And also it's important not to get or religious, if you miss a day or two, and most likely you're going to, you're going to forget, certainly at the beginning, if you miss a day or two, it's, you know, God isn't going to smite you, he's not cross with you, this doesn't compromise your righteousness, you're still a saint, just pick it up the next day and carry on, and just keep going until you've actually completed a total of 40 days. In all likelihood, it's going to take you longer than 40 days to do it, because of days you'll miss, but that's fine. Um, and actually, when you get to the end, you might want to keep going, some people do, um, that can be beneficial, um, but also, just keep it keep hold of it because you're probably going to want to come back to it in the future. Either if you've fallen back into that that area and you just need to work through it again, then you've got that written out for you to use. But also sometimes it's good to just go back and realize that issue has been dealt with. It's gone. I haven't had that problem again since then. And it's just great to see what God has done in your life. But as you go, you're going to have to keep reminding yourself that God is truth. And if he has said it, 
It really is true for you. And you've got to keep reminding yourself of that because it's not going to feel true. What you're doing here is basically replacing something that feels true but isn't, a lie, with something that certainly to begin with won't feel true, but it's the truth. Because you've been conditioned to believe this lie and the truth will feel odd to you. You've really got to persevere and fight. So you can imagine, to illustrate this, a concrete wall being demolished. And it may withstand 10 blows, it may withstand 20 blows, 30 blows, even 35 blows of that wrecking ball. Um, and it may, on the outside, not look like anything is happening. Um, and that is ha that's how it can feel as you work through a stronghold buster day after day. But every day that you manage to renounce the lie and declare the truth, it is having an impact, it is making a difference under the surface. You, you may not see it at the time, but it is having an effect. So the wall might not appear to have been weakened, but up to maybe this 37th blow in this example. But sooner or later, let's say maybe on the 38th swing, a few little cracks start to appear on the surface. And you can actually see an effect that's, that's being had. On the 39th blow, those cracks may get much, much bigger. And then eventually, on the last blow, it just completely collapses. Now, those final three blows, would they have had that effect without the first 37? No, of course not. The first 37 were doing damage, you just couldn't see it on the surface. And eventually it got to the point where the, the same blows again and again actually took the wall down with very little effort at the end. And this is exactly how it can feel when you work your way through a stronghold buster. It feels like you're bashing your head against a brick wall. It feels like you're spouting meaningless rubbish. Like the words you're saying are just a complete utter waste of time, but you've got to hang in there and persevere. So we're going to hear a couple of examples now from people who have gone through this process and what it was like. Um, first of all, I'm going to give you mine. And then we're going to hear from Stuart. So if you were here for session six, which was the last one of this, this course that I preached on, you would have heard some of this, so this will be something you may remember. But when I went through the Freedom in Christ course for the first time, this was maybe seven years ago, um, I was going through the steps process, particularly on step three about forgiveness. I did the whole thing where you wrote down the list of names, you wrote down what they'd done, how it made you feel. And what I found when I looked across that list, it just hit me like a train. I'd written down just feeling unvalued, unwanted, and basically worthless. Like, people just didn't want to be my friend. Um, and that was almost the same for everyone on my list. And that was just a real shock to see um, and realize that's a lie. That is absolute nonsense. Um, <coughs> so I'd uncovered a stronghold, which was great to know. But I had to go on, and I had to write one of these stronghold busters. So I, I did it. I said, I renounced the lie that I'm unwanted, unvalued, that I'm worthless. And I, I announced the truth that Jesus has said he is always with me. He's eager to be with me. Um, I am loved. I am valued. I'm cherished. You know, words to that effect, and that was my stronghold buster. And so I started working through it, and I had the, exactly the same experience I've kind of described to you with that, with that wall. To start with, it just didn't feel like anything was happening. Um, it didn't really, I, I didn't feel any different. I still, almost most days, would be dragged back into those negative feelings, those negative thoughts. Um, <coughs> but I did work through it. I did manage to persevere. And it actually took me, I think, something like 54, 55 days to get through, because I just kept forgetting, um, particularly at the beginning. Um, it was quite ridiculous, actually. But I did get through. I kept going. Um, but I remember often thinking that, you know, this is, this is weird. It's not really going to work for me. This, this is strange. Um, maybe I really am alone. Maybe really nobody wants me to be around. Maybe that's true. Oh, I've forgotten to do it for the last five days. I might as well just sack it in and not bother anymore. Um, but I, I, I managed to persevere and keep going. Um, and it worked, and it, it really did sneak up on me. Um, I, I didn't realize what effect was really going on inside. Um, but it got to the end, and over the last few days, I suddenly realized, I haven't thought those things for the last few days. 
And I got to the end of, of doing this, this 40-day period, um, and it was, it was gone. It was dealt with. And I honestly have not felt that way since. And it really was, it was astonishing. Um, and I really, really want the same thing to happen for you, for whatever the lies you are, you've been believing. Um, but the key thing is that the devil has, since then, tried to tempt me back into these ways of thinking. But what I've got now is um, a, a method for guarding my mind. I can take every thought captive. And what I've done is I've got those truths into my head, and I can spot that lie when it comes. I don't fall for it anymore. Um, and that's really, really, really important. So we're also now going to hear from Stuart. Okay, um, I was actually chatting with Mike before Christmas, um, and we were talking uh, and praying, and uh, God reminded me of something that I'd believed, a particular incident a number of years back about my role as a father when my eldest son Levi was born, and I'd believed the lie that I wasn't a good father and I was never going to be a good father. Um, and it kind of hit me like a train. It was suddenly, that's not, God, that's not the way God's built me. That's not the way I've been designed. I'm actually going to be a great father um, because I'm empowered by God, and that's what he's called me to be. And so that was the lie. And so Mike showed me the thing. He said, right, let's get the stronghold buster. And I know I was ahead of the game in the course. And he said, he, said he, he didn't say wait till week 10. He said, right, let's do it now. And so he showed me the stuff. And so I put all those bits down, wrote it out in my journal. And I started doing it. At the bottom of my journal, I wrote 1 to 40. And I thought, well, I'll tick off the days as I go, and I started doing it. And it doesn't take long on a day. It took me maybe a minute to read out the four Bible verses I had, the de declaration, and say, that is what God has called me to be. I'm, I'm going to be a great father. And I started doing that every day. One of my challenges, like I said, was making sure I did it every day. I thought writing it in my journal would be the key, because I do that every day. But when you start turning pages, you forget it's there. And I thought, oh. So I stuck a, a to-do list on my phone, which syncs with my computer, and it comes up top. Do your stronghold buster. Oh, yeah. So I do that every day. So I managed to do it in just over 40 days, doing it every day because I did it. And for me, the change, there was nothing dynamic in terms of there was no lightning bolt. Wow, it's all changed. But I noticed a gradual effect in my life. And one of the keys was actually Melanie said something to me when I was, you know, 30 plus days in. Or something. She said, I've noticed a change in you, the way you interact with the children, the way you kind of think that there's something happening in what you're doing. And for me, it hadn't kind of come as a lightning bolt, but actually my interaction with my sons, my interaction with my wife, because we co-parent, you know, I'm not doing it on my own, we're working together, had been transformed by this truth and to keep proclaiming the truth again and again. And eventually, I've kind of, I've, I've left that lie behind and I'm moving forward into God's truth for me. And the irony now is I did the step three and I've got another one to do. God highlights you another one. So I'm waiting for this one. I'm now going to do another stronghold buster. But God's truth sets you free. Fantastic. Great. Um, one really important thing to, to recognize then is that, um, you know, we can easily think that, that strongholds and, that, and the need for stronghold busting is for, for new Christians or immature Christians, you know. Um, what we've just seen is a very mature Christian, someone who's a leader, someone who you probably look up to, you think is quite, quite, um, quite significant, that you're, you're very kind of in awe of, um, ha had to do this. He had a stronghold and he really had to work through it. Um, and then you also got to hear the same from Stuart. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, that was too easy. <laughs> um, but this is for everyone, and it really does work for everyone. Um, there is no Christian who is immune to strongholds and to lies of the devil. We all live in the same world, and we've all got the same enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you are susceptible to these things. Um, so try not to fall for pride and think that this is, you don't need to do this. So that is renewing our mind, and we've got one, one final key um, to how we stay in, mature, in, in freedom and how we go on to maturity, and this one's not so long, but this is basically taking a long-term view. So it takes time to demolish a stronghold, we've already talked about that, 
to get rid, rid of negative thinking and replace it with truth. Um, and we need to take a long-term view because we're talking about breaking destructive habits and forming new positive ones. Um, and you can't just take like, the entirety of the Bible, all the truth of God, and just ram it into your head in a short period of time. It doesn't happen. Um, we're called over the whole of our lives to, to mature. And so we need to take a long-term view and have a plan. And there's various things you can do. Firstly, one is um, training yourself to distinguish good from evil. In Hebrews 5, verse 14, it says this, But solid f- food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now again, notice this kind of emphasis on personal responsibility. If we want to become mature, it involves our, our ongoing training to distinguish good from evil. Now remember, we talked about this earlier in the course, how people who work in banks are trained to identify forgery banknotes. They're not tra- they don't spend time looking at forgeries and all the different kinds of forgeries because people are probably going to come up with new ones, new ways to deceive them. So they don't spend time looking at the actual forgeries. They spend time becoming intimately acquainted with a genuine article, getting to know truth, getting to know all the intricacies on a real banknote, because then when they come across a forgery, they can spot it instantly. Um, <coughs> in the same way, we need to learn to become intimately acquainted with what it really says in the Bible. So when a, a counterfeit thought, a lie, comes along, we can just spot it, we see it. That's what I can do now for this, this lie about being unwanted and, and, and alone, when that comes in, I spot it as a lie because I've got the truth in me. And so there is really is no way around this. You've got to get into God's Word. You've got to get into the Bible. And there are, there are lots of different ways to do this. Um, you can obviously read the Bible. You can, you can listen to it. You can get it on, on, in audio form on a CD, or you can get it if you've got a, an app on your phone. They'll often read it to you. Um, you, can, you can obviously come here on Sundays, listen to sermons. You can um, go to Life Group, get, get, really get engaged, asking questions. Um, you can download other sermons from on, online. There are some great preachers online. One of my favorites is John Piper. He's got a website called desiringgod.org and that is just, that's full of all his teaching from like 1979 or something ridiculous. They've got it all in MP3. Loads of articles, all sorts of other stuff he's written. Most of his books are on there for free as well and it's just thoroughly biblical stuff. It's a great source of teaching. But you've, we've got to get the Bible into us. It's the only way we're going to be able to distinguish good from evil. And that is something we have to do for ourselves. Now, you might be thinking you've got to read all those lists of biblical truths that we, we came across in the first three sessions of the course. You, can, you want to read them three times a day. You're going to do six stronghold buses at the same time. Um, but I want to encourage you right now, don't try to do that. Um, if you try and do everything at once, um, you're probably going to burn out. Um, and you probably won't be successful. You see, Paul often used the analogy of a race. We need to know where we're going, which is spiritual maturity. Um, but we've got to commit ourselves to run this race for the long term. So in Philippians 3, from verse 13, he says this, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So it is a race. We've got to pace ourselves. If we feel we've got to do everything once, then we are likely to burn out and just conclude that we've failed. But if we set out a long-term plan, we can deal with one area at a time and just you know, gradually make that progress um, towards maturity. Now, there are also some other helpful things you can do. I'll just run through quickly. One is, um, there's a book by Neil Anderson, who wrote most of the kind of foundational material for this course, and Rich Miller, and it's called Walking in Freedom. And it's especially for people who have just gone through the steps to the freedom process, like basically the situation we are in now. And it's a 21-day kind of devotional thing. It takes you through just the key principles of the course and gives you what you need to, just reminds you of what you need to know to keep walking in that freedom. It's very simple, very easy to use, and that's, it's a really great resource, so if you can get hold of that, then, then do so. Um, also, if you've had any particular 
you know, sin confess, sin confess cycles that have been difficult for you, either in the past or maybe you're still struggling with something now, um, as well as working on stronghold busting, because those things are based on lies, it might be worthwhile you getting into an accountability relationship with a, with a mature Christian, someone you trust. Um, it's just great to agree that maybe they'll, they'll call you, maybe once a week or a month or whatever the frequency works for you, and just knowing that they're going to call you and that you're going to have to be honest with them, it really is a, a fantastic spur on to keep walking in the truth and keep fighting that sin. So that's something to consider. Next, if you've had any particularly traumatic experiences in your past, you might need um, another Christian to walk alongside with you and help you deal with that, that pain from the past. Um, they can help you as you work through those memories, um, but you're going to need to be reminded that you're not a product of your past. You're not a victim anymore. You're a product of what Jesus has done on the cross. And having someone alongside to speak that truth into you, help you process those painful memories from the perspective of not, not who you were then, but who you are now in Christ is really beneficial. So consider that as well. And then lastly, as we come to the end of the course, there's just three more sessions to go. It would be good for you to do the teaching again, and there's lots of ways you can do that. You can either get hold of the books. If you look in your participants' guide, I think near the beginning, there's, there's like a series of books that go along with the course you can get. And you can just read. You can just, kept, just refresh and review the material again. Um, other ways you can do it is we'll, we're probably going to run kind of small group-based courses, the Freedom in Christ course, pretty much from here on out, <laughs> continually back to back. Um, so Sarah and I will be, will be running that. And if you want to do that as a, as a refresher, or if any of you kind of have come to this late and you've missed a lot of it, then obviously we'll, we can take you through that. But going through the, the teaching again is particularly important because now you've gone through the steps process and you've dealt with those footholds of the enemy, you'll find that you can actually um, connect with the truth at a much deeper level. Because when those strongholds, were, those, those footholds were in place, they were basically binding you to the truth. And it can be really difficult to actually see the truth when you're in that situation. But now that you're free, it's a lot easier. And you'll find that you will connect with the truth at a much, much deeper level. Okay, that is basically the end of the teaching. Now, it's really important that we take a bit of time just to respond to what's right for you to do next. You, you should find on your chair, or at least one next to you, a bit of paper that looks something like this. Does anyone not have one within their reach? A few at the back. If there's any spares, can we pass them around to the back? John, can you just run a few around? If you haven't got one, just stick your hand up. We'll get, them, get one to you. I know from personal experience that in this kind of situation, it's very easy to have all good intentions in your head and walk out from here and either forget or just you get, get back into life and the devil wears you down and you end up not really doing the things that you think you really want to do. So I wanted to give you this opportunity to have this bit of paper you can look at. It's got a list of practical steps you can take um, to maintain your freedom and to actually grow to maturity. And if you've got a pen, I want you to have a look at these things. We're gonna, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes in a moment, just, just in silence. Have a look at these things and make a deal with God. These are the things I'm going to do next to maintain my freedom and to really go on to mature. Um, if you end up ticking a lot of them, you may want to add one at the bottom, which is make a plan. <laughs> Don't try and do them all at once. Make a plan. Figure out how this is all going to fit together. Um, and then stick it on your fridge. Put it somewhere you're going to see it, somewhere you're going you're gonna to know where it is and you can go back to it and make sure you're doing these things. Um, if you really want to take it one step further, you can make a copy, write your name on it and give it to someone else and say, please, check up on me, make sure I'm doing this stuff. So I'm just going to give you a couple minutes, think this through, and just make a deal with God about what you're going to do next, and then I'll just pray at the end to close.
Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for on, on the cross, for defeating sin, for disarming Satan, for, for giving us power and authority. Lord, thank you for setting us free. And thank you, Lord, for... Thank you, Lord, for enabling us to, um, to be free. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. And I thank you, Lord, that um, this is supposed to be the normal state for us. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, as we go from here, thank you, Lord, that people have made commitments before you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll go with us and you'll help us to keep those commitments. Help us to take our responsibility to stand firm and resist the devil. Um, Lord, I thank you that, that over this course and through the steps process, you've helped us to uncover lies that we've been believing. Um, if there are any more, Lord, I pray that at the right time you will reveal those to us and help us to work them through. Um, but Lord, if, if for any here who are going to go on and do stronghold busters, I pray, Lord, that you will come alongside them, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will help them find the truths that are relevant for them. And I pray that you will um, just keep prompting them, keep reminding them to really take responsibility and walk through this process. I pray, Lord, for people's ongoing freedom. I pray that people will really grow to maturity because a church full of mature Christians is a massively powerful thing. And we want to see your, your town here transformed, Lord. We want to see it impacted by you. And we want to go out there and really be a positive influence to bring your glory and show your glory to the people of Sutton Coalfield. Lord, be with us. Um, just bless everyone as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.